You're listening to Decay Mac Sessions Exclusive Interview The Axiom Looking for Sister Marilyn Cody Last seen headed for Cinder Park Any information please call You posted this on Craigslist? And somebody actually responded? You're Marilyn's sister? Yes Do you know where she is? Cinder Park You follow this path The passageway The door that your sister writes about in here real. And what's so special about this passageway? Where does good go? morning, good evening, good afternoon. My name is Ken Artus, DK Mag founder, and you're listening to DK Mag Sessions. And in this episode, podcast episode, we take one film, discuss the film, and also provide a roundtable discussion with the cast and crew of said film. Joining me as co-host for this podcast episode is Stacy Cox, staff correspondent for DK Mag. Be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash DK Mag. Your donations will help us bring future episodes. As a patron, you'll receive bonus content as well as free and discounted on upcoming DK Mag merchandise. Thank you, Stacy. And in this episode, we feature the upcoming horror film titled The Axiom. And we had the pleasure and we were fortunate enough to review The Axiom before its release. Do check out that review at dkmag.com. What is The Axiom? Well, this is a film written and directed by Nicholas Woods. And the synopsis reads as follows. At the risk of her group safety, a young woman travels into a national forest where her sister has become trapped in a multi-dimensional world of monsters. Stacy, before we begin, uh, just to a recap. Before we jump into our particular topics, what were your initial thoughts on the Axiom when you first saw this film? And I believe you reviewed the film. Three, two, one. Uh, yes, so I thought the Axiom was good. Um, at first reading the synopsis, I thought it sounded familiar. But after watching the film, I would actually call it an experience. Um it was something different. Right. Absolutely. When I read the synopsis, I said, here we go again. Another film with a bunch of campers going into the woods. I don't know. We've seen this type of plot all the time, but the axiom was, it, it was familiar yet different. And, and I like that about how this film was made. I agree very much. So yeah. Great. Well, in any event, let's delve on to the particular topics of the Axiom. And of course, we have exclusive interviews with the cast and crew of Axiom. It was a roundtable discussion in which we discussed uh, mostly the origin stories for the actor-director Nicholas Woods and also Haiti Smith, who portrays Mackenzie, the lead in this film, Nicole D'Ambro, she portrays the role of Darcy. 
And we will be featuring a written question, a written form interview on DK Mag. Great set of interviews there. You learn a lot from this film just by listening to the commentary behind the scenes and etc. etc. Well, let's begin the podcast. The Axiom First Impressions This place looks like it hasn't been used in years. Have you guys noticed that the sun's not going down, it's just kind of moving around? Have you guys seen anything weird? Besides this creepy outpost with a backyard full of chains and blood, no, this is all normal. This place is dangerous. I don't think we are where we think we are. Our first topic for this podcast focusing on the Axiom is our first impressions. One of the highlights for this film is the cinematography. I was very pleased with the camera work. For example, once you see the Axiom, there's one scene in particular in which one of the characters is chained to the exterior of a cabin in the woods. To emphasize the uh, lunacy, the certain mind mindfuck, if you will, of this situation, the camera angle twists at a certain angle to really emphasize this particular uh, psychological element. Uh, there are other scenes in the film that also the camera work, especially when everyone was running, you would see that you had the steady cam, everything was up close. Phenomenal, phenomenal. And another part is the practical effects. The creatures in the film are not elaborate. They look human, which, in my opinion, that is a great play. Why? Because the most terrifying creature, in my opinion, and is a shared opinion with the writer-director, Nicholas Woods, is that if a creature, a demon or something, looks more humanistic than animalistic, it would garner more reaction. Stacy, what were your highlights of this film <clears throat> in terms of the composition, cinematography, practical effects, technical-wise? I, <clears throat> I really enjoyed the practical effects, uh, the makeup of the creatures or the demons, um, the make as as you were saying, um, guy who was chained up. Let me just get his name, Edgar. Edgar, who was uh, chained up, and when he started to turn, when they all started to turn into these uh, creatures, or I think they were demons, right? When they all started to turn, the makeup was just like real as you were saying very real and I really enjoyed that um, it wasn't like over the top or cheesy or mediocre practical effects I should say um, so I really enjoyed that and just the whole storyline the whole storyline the way everything played out um, I enjoyed as well right the plot like we said in the introduction when you read the synopsis, you're saying to yourself, here we go again, another film 
campers going into the woods and this is going to happen. We already seen this so many times in horror films, but in the Axiom, it works so well. The plot you mentioned uh, here we have an interdimensional portal where demons come out and they cause disaster, a spectacle of carnage with these campers. That may conjure, let's say, evil, evil dead. But I feel that the axiom takes it to an, a next level. It's very casual, not too gory, not too over the top. And as you had mentioned, the key word, Stacy, not too cheesy. Uh, this axiom has everything built in. Performances, Stacy. What? How? Especially with these campers. How did the how did their emotional content project to you? Um, I guess uh, I can say that I connected emotionally with the characters. Um, I think I probably connected more when they started to turn because their uh, performance. You know, it it reached that level to where to where it felt real, I should say. You know, so uh, I I was more connected there than uh, just like their regular performances. Right, uh, phenomenal. And Stacey, you and I both know sometimes when we review films, we come across the B movie type acting, and we could tell that the performers are reading from the script they're not giving their emotional content and in this film it's totally the opposite all the characters they're really giving their all so when they're panicked they're panicked when they are fighting whatever it is they're fighting whatever it is they are and one scene in particular when Edgar and one of the one of the characters uh, Darcy when they when Darcy approaches Edgar and I guess they wanted to bond and she wanted to forgive him you could really sense like okay you're making a bad decision here but at the same time you're like well, okay he's your blood he's your kin yeah you should forgive him so that right there you know scenes like that if it was a B-movie type acting, you wouldn't give a shit. But in this instance, you're like, okay, should she or shouldn't she? So I, I found that to be quite fascinating, the performances. Yes, and um, and actually, uh, I was I was starting to get mad um, with the uh, main character. I was starting Mackenzie uh because for one, it's like she, okay, you brought us all here. I know, you know, you want to find your sister and everything, but she brings them all into this. But she knew that there was danger, you know, from her sister's diary and everything. And then that, the one guy was, uh, no, no, Leon. Leon was also pretty much hinting to her that it's dangerous here, but she continues on. And then when, uh, you know, she gets them all into this, uh, this realm you know they can't leave and they're doomed pretty much <clears throat> and then uh, I, I mean she manages to escape and I was so mad at her 
<laughs> I'm like, this is all your fault. How could you? Like, you should go find your sister on your own, darn it. You done doomed them all, <laughs> you know. Exactly, and, um, right. Yeah, and it was so sad because uh, as I, at the same time, I'm thinking like, okay, you're out, you're free to go. Oh, but wait, my brother's just there. I was like, oh, come on, come back for him. He's fine. He See, he's fighting with all and well. You're free now. Go. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna go save my sister, and then and then her sister also. I'm just like, oh man, this is all bad. This is all bad. So, and then and then I'm surprised to learn that there there's more than one portal. Right, right, right. I, that's the interesting part, and is one thing that I had mentioned during the interview with Nicholas Woods is. He, if you listen to the dialogue with the characters, they mentioned that the government knew about it, but then they don't elaborate. They don't focus too much on government conspiracy or nothing like that. So it's all about the the campers going into the woods, Mackenzie looking for her sister. If they would have focused on the government and all this stuff, it would have taken the film in a different direction. But Stacy, in reality, with the plot. There, if you ever check out the documentary, I recommend it for anyone listening. It's titled "Missing, Missing," uh, yeah, "Missing," and what it that documentary focuses on is all these weird disappearances and weird occurrences in national forests. Some think it's a portal to a different dimension. Some think it's aliens. So, but whatever the case, it's just weird that there are so many cases people go into those national forests and they disappear without a trace or let's say they go into a national forest in New York all of a sudden four days later they reappear in California no idea how the person got there no nothing and that really happened last year by the way so yeah this film really makes you open your eyes like hmm maybe there is something out there Yes, and I was actually um, disappointed that they didn't really elaborate even more on, like, what's going on with these whole, like, these dimensions, these creatures. They lightly talk about it, but not in more depth. I I would have hoped they would have went into more depth about them. Right. I think in terms of performance, I, I think we could tie this in with performance and plot that the Leon, I think he was more of a loose end in the film. Uh, yeah, the character does have a purpose, uh, but it just feels kind of disconnected after, especially in the last scene, Act 3, he feels disconnected. Like, okay, you have this group of people now that help you? What is this? Uh, what's going on here? It just felt tossed in. But at the beginning, when he was talking with Mackenzie, it's like, okay, something's up with this guy. Uh, he's kind of shady, but can we trust him or not? But by Act 3, it just feels loose. Did that give that impression to you? Uh, yes, it definitely feels loose. Um, need a more background, even on Leon, too, because, um, like, of course, like, just learning you know, how it progresses and learning kind of like lightly the history of it all. Uh, he needed more of a backstory 
as well as um, you know, like I said, these dimensions and everything. These what exactly are they? Like for all we know, like they're are they aliens? They're demons? Like you know, we know they're not of this world, or should I say, you know, they're not of Earth. You know, we know they're from somewhere else. Um, but like, what are they? Why are they here? How did they get here? I guess I want those kinds of questions to be answered. You know, who's behind all of this and why? Right, right. There, I don't recall the film, but it it was interesting because when I was watching this film, uh, The Axiom, it reminded me of something else, of course, that always happens. But in that particular film, it was a found footage film, and then it changed into a regular film about a group of campers who they see a UFO crash into the forest and all hell brooks loose. But the point I'm trying to make is by the end of act of act three of that film, everything ties together because you see the government was involved. They knew about it. And you can say to yourself, OK, hmm, I feel comfortable knowing that it was a whole government cover up, even though it had to do with aliens. But with Axiom, it's just I wanted more. Maybe maybe there should be a sequel for this and tie all those loose ends together. I definitely agree. And to close out this segment, let's delve on the scare factor. The creatures, I, the practical effects, I have to emphasize again, I enjoyed the makeup design. Looks more human than anything else. Do you think this movie would be scary for horror enthusiasts or scary for casual viewers of horror cinema? I honestly don't think it would be scary at all uh, for anyone unless maybe a child was watching it. And I say that because um, as great as the practical effects are um, and the creatures, you know, as great as all of that is, it's not... It's also not enough to really like scare you. Right. Yes. It is not enough to scare you. There's not enough gore, which is good. I, I prefer that because it would just change the whole element of the film. The gore is good. The creatures are not so frightening. But the only thing we see CGI is that giant troll-looking four-legged thing. I don't know what the hell that was. But you got to admit, I don't like CGI, but that creature looked cool. <laughs> you know, from a distance, that creature kind of reminded me of the creature from, I don't know if you've seen a movie called Ritual. I don't know if it's The Ritual or Ritual. Uh-huh. Uh, where these, yeah, these travelers were um, in, a, in a forest area. I think it was an uncharted territory. And uh, actually, let me just look it up really quickly. Oh, wait. That's the one with the portal, too. That had something to do with portals. I, I do believe so. And they were in some kind of uh, forest. Yes, and, yes. Um, I think it was like cl- a little closer to the end. It was like middle to end. Yes. We got this big, like, four-legged, <laughs> you know, beast of some sort. Right. And that's what that creature kind of reminded me of from a distance. Ah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It does have some similarities. On that topic, we're going to jump into the next topic, which is is closely to what we're ending here. And that is the many, many, many 
films that delve into Cabin in the Woods. Of course, we know that there is a horror film titled Cabin in the Woods, but we're going general because there are so many films that cover this topic. The Axiom Roundtable Interview Director, Writer, Nicholas Woods Actress Hattie Smith Actress Nicole Dambro Editor, Visual Effects Alex Gons My friend Edgar, he's missing. Well, they're coming for you. You've been in there too long. Who's coming? Ken Artuz here, DK Mag founder. I'm proud to present the following conversational interview with the cast and crew for the newly released horror thriller titled The Axiom. Here is the synopsis of this film. At the risk of her group's safety, a young woman travels into a national forest where her sister has become trapped in a multi-dimensional world of monsters. In this interview, I spoke with writer-director Nicholas Woods, editor and visual effects Alex Gans, actress Haiti Smith, and actress Nicole Dambro. Also, on DKMag.com, we have a written form questionnaire for actor William Kirshner, who portrays the role as Liam. This interview is divided into two parts. You're listening to the first parts. Following that, we would jump back into our segment discussing the film. And following that segment is the second part of this interview. Once again, this is a roundtable interview with the cast and production crew for this film The Axiom a cabin in the woods type of film if you will but with originality Uh, once again I'd like to thank everybody uh, for joining me this Monday morning Uh, thank you for this interview opportunity Uh, once again my name is Ken Artuz founder for DK Mag We're just going to start our conversational interview, beginning with a brief introduction of yourselves, Nicholas, uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got your start and in your career in filmmaking, especially horror filmmaking. Right. So, uh, yeah, my name is Nicholas Woods. I came from uh, Phoenix, Arizona uh, to California in 2009. I went to film school at Chapman University. That's where I uh, actually met Hattie Smith and uh, a few other people who worked on the film as well. Um, And yes, I went to film school. After film school, uh, I studied directing there and writing as well. And then after film school, uh, I got a 
job uh, working as a production designer on a pretty large film. I got the job uh, due to just uh, production designing my own short films, I guess. Um, I was still kind of unsure why they offered me the job, but I took it nonetheless because <laughs> it was a good opportunity. And uh, uh, cool, uh, seemed like a cool film. Um, some guys who worked on American Horror Story and stuff. So going to be kind of a bigger set, bigger set that I'd ever been on. Um, went through that whole process and realized, uh, you know, it takes a lot to make a movie. And so I did not want to be doing this if I wasn't focused directly on the things I thought I was best at. So I uh, took time away from taking other jobs uh, like that and focused on uh, screenwriting in the um, vein to eventually obviously direct those uh, uh, scripts. So I wrote a couple screenplays and the one uh, that got uh, the most attention was uh, the Axiom, uh, horror, fa horror fantasy, horror sci-fi. And um, so, yeah, we ran with that, went and searching for uh, financiers and uh, we got a lot of attention. Um, but due to uh, certain offers, we decided to go with a smaller offer that gave us uh, control over the uh, hiring of our crew and uh, uh, full cast control as well. So um, then I was able to uh, meet these two lovely ladies. Uh, Hattie, I knew before in college. Uh, we worked together a couple times. And yeah, it pretty much got us to uh, to casting where I got to meet meet these ladies and begin work on the film. Thank you for that. And Hattie Smith, a little bit about yourself. Hello, I am Hattie Smith. I hail from St. Louis, Missouri. I um, originally started acting in middle school, and um, I booked some pretty bigger roles in the theater program just throughout high school. Um, one of which, my, one of my favorites was uh, the star role as Medea in a Greek tragedy. Um, I'd say that's probably when I started to take more of a liking to uh, drama and thrillers. Um, it's a pretty dark play for those of you who know it. Um, I, I, like, um, I like some theater and film that kind of tend to lean on the darker side just because they kind of push the envelope for character development. Um, but I ended up pursuing my love of acting and um, traveling all the way to California is about as far as I could from St. Louis. And I wanted to study film, acting, um, advertising. I wanted to get as much out of college as I could. So I was taking a bunch of different classes. Um, but my main focus was acting and film. I graduated in 2015 with a BFA in screen acting and advertising. And throughout my time at Chapman, I met amazingly talented individuals, one of which was Nicholas. And um, we did get the opportunity to work a couple of times while uh, we were still in school together, just on smaller um, projects like the 48-hour film festival and such. And then um, once I did graduate, I found myself kind of still holding on to some of those connections just because I felt that those talented individuals and I worked well together and um, in the future could probably create something really great. So um, uh, I think a Several months beforehand, I, Cole had been talking a couple times when we were in college that he did have a passion for horror and such, and I expressed that I also had a passion for horror. I've been watching horror films and been obsessed with Halloween since I was 
very, very little. Um, so I somehow got cast on some little short film that he was shooting and, you know, it was a very small project, but it was a lot of fun. And I think that it kind of served as my original audition for his bigger project that I hadn't even, I didn't know anything about at the time. Um, so from then on out, um, I got my audition for the Axiom. I got a call back. I read the full script. I loved it. I was looking forward to the challenge. And um, once we got on set, it was all uphill. It was great. And then since then, it's kind of been an amazing experience. Uh, that's not the first time I've heard uh actress really moving uh, from one state and just going, heading out to California. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Nicole, Miss Nicole Dambro, your turn. A little bit about yourself, how you got your start, and what brought you here to the Axiom. Uh, same situation as Hattie. I'm from Vero Beach, Florida, and I moved here from Miami. Uh, I actually went to school at the University of Florida, was an advertising major, tried everything I could do to not go into acting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> got a pretty normal job and just was, was miserable and knew that I had to do this. I started my career as a professional dancer, danced for the Miami Heat with LeBron James on the team, won a ring. It was awesome, but I still wanted to do acting, so I moved out to California. And um, when I got here, I was really lucky. I just did everything I could that I could get my hands on. So I, I was really lucky. started with a short called Death to Cupid that went to Comic-Con. And then after that, I uh, worked on a series as the lead uh, of a USC-produced series, and that was nominated for two college Emmys. And then after that, I um, got my first horror film, which is Alone in the Dead of Night, which is available on Amazon Prime right now. And then uh, that actually caught the interest of a mutual friend who directed Pitchfork which is also available on Amazon. Oh, I remember that. Um, and I was just kind of obsessed with, with doing horror. I just kind of kept falling into horror. So then when I got the audition for the Axiom, I went in, and when I tell you there were so many people there, oh, my gosh, everyone that I knew in town was there. It was a huge, everybody wanted to be in the Axiom. And so and I didn't really think my chances were very good. I just, I went in, did my audition, and then when I got the call back, I was going to be out of town and somehow they like helped make it work for me. So it was just one of those kind of kismet things. And, uh, yeah, I was super lucky to be a part of that. And I've been working on a couple films sprinkled in here and there ever since. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for everybody to see Axiom. It's funny you bring up uh, Pitchfork. We, I remember we we had interviewed uh, the director Glenn uh, Picard on Glenn that Packard. film. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that was a while back. Uh, that was pretty cool uh, film in itself too. Yeah, uh, that was my first on location film. It was awesome. <laughs> Last but not least, Mr. Alex Gans, a little bit about yourself. <laughs> uh, well. Um, I was actually born in Miami, Florida. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my mom was actually pretty big in the business. So she kind of pushed me a lot in the film world. She was actually an actress, 
um, and then was actually in Brunello Rondi films and Mario Bobby films. So horror was kind of in my youth. I'd seen it a lot and always been passionate about it. Um, I went on to receive a master's degree in film, uh, where I then moved to Los Angeles and um, been here for about 15 years working on feature films, commercials, um, promos, everything. And um, I've worked with DreamWorks, Warner Brothers Discovery, lots of large clients. And I remember meeting Nicholas through a post he wrote and uh, loved his script, was amazed that he wrote this. It was amazing. What I saw, it really had a, uh, an amazing feel that was kind of, I guess you could say it was kind of, you know, it was familiar, but it wasn't, you know, and it had a, a strong characters. It felt like it was really written um, from somebody much older than he was. Um, and when I saw the footage and saw what he was able to accomplish, I was jumped on board and couldn't be happier with what came out. Amazing film. Did a really great job. Well, um, uh, thank you everyone for your background. It is, I always like to start off these interviews with a little bit of background because uh, f uh, viewers of the film would just watch the film not knowing that uh, there are dreams, aspirations uh, behind every talent that is involved in a film project. And it's always good to have that insight about who worked on the film, what were their ambitions, how did they get on board. It, and in, in reality, each tale each origin story it's in itself a, a source of inspiration for those who wants to jump on to the performing arts so true and and uh, right now the, these following set of questions a uh, conversation of course we've got to divide the ladies with the gents uh, beginning with the gents uh the concept for the axiom as alex had mentioned it has familiarity, but also it doesn't. Uh, with that said, one of the things that is really sticks out for me in this film are the creatures and the makeup effects looking more human than creature. So, uh, Nicholas, how did that come about creating these creatures more grounded with humanistic qualities instead of going full-blown creature effects right well uh i always found uh that i either in film or in um literature the way it's described i always find the creatures that scare me the most are the ones that are more human you know the ones that derive more from uh human aspects you know bipedal normal arms and legs i don't know what that is uh either in me or other people who uh, might feel the same, but certainly when I see stuff like that, it's always, those are always the ones that kind of uh, excite me and scare me at the same time, because you wonder, did these things start off as, you know, humans and did they, you know, were they or human-like creatures and did they sort of go through this sort of effect uh, that's making them uh, like this? And then as well, dealing with, you know, another dimension, another world, you start wondering, okay, I see this creature and it is, um, it kind of has those similarities, those humanistic qualities. Why does it have those qualities? You know, what makes it the same questions that you're asking, hopefully, you know, other people asking and, and it incites, you know, the mind to wander to interesting uh, background, uh, you know, stuff that you just can't get into in a movie, uh, in one film, you know, maybe down the line, but 
uh, yeah, it's just uh, something that I always found really unique and terrifying. Um, Guillermo del Toro does a great job with this, of course. Um, and his creatures, uh, visually in film, are always so unique. And all of them, for the most part, uh, do derive from those sort of, um, you know, those, those humanistic qualities. And I definitely think it has a pretty profound effect visually. I have to agree with that. And I was just hoping that none of the creatures in your film were doing the spider walk because I was about to say, no, okay, that I draw the line right there. The spider walks are creepy in <laughs> itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, on a side note, my mom did the spider walk that movie. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't know what I'm <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> uh, and for Alex, uh, but she was the, she was the first one. She was the first one. Oh, oh, God. I, I, yeah, that, that's that's one curious aspect of horror films. I, I really go for the creatures that look human and the spider walk. Yeah, the contortioning and uh, that's kind of that freaks me out. I could watch Blood and Gore all day, but that just freaks me out. Uh, oh yeah, me too. Oh. It's something have about you, yeah, the you, body moving. Mm-hmm. Have you seen El Demonio, Ken? Yeah, that was the so the Exorcist was not the first. El Demonio was the first one that the Exorcist was based off of, and my mother was actually in that. That was a Brunella Rondi film, and that's oh. the Spider Walk was actually originated in that film. Which is pretty ah. crazy. Just a little side note. Anyway. Side note. Okay. <laughs> I'm writing that down. These are creepy. Yeah. Oh. Italian film, yeah. Uh, Alex, your work on creating yeah. visuals for the Axiom. And one thing that I always like to discuss is the visual effects, computer generated effects versus uh, practical effects. It's an ongoing issue. And not only an issue, but also uh, which medium serves better in horror. So from your opinion, what were your contributions to the film? And also, uh, what do you believe in this medium with practical versus CGI? Well, I was the editor as well. So um, when I read the script and I saw the footage, I was amazed that he was able to pull it off with practical. I'm, I'm a firm believer in practical effects much more than CG. I think it's much more based in reality. Um, you know, when you start throwing in CG elements, and, and I come from a CG background, I come from a visual effects background. I mean, I was a visual effects supervisor on the film, um, but what I, I was amazed that Nicholas was able to accomplish the same kind of feel you have from CG. And if you only notice, there's a very small segment of CG in the film. Uh, the rest was all practical. And I think um, nowadays we're just oversaturated with CG things, which I don't think scare me as much as, you know, the real, what we see in day to day, like Nicholas had mentioned, you know, you, you have that familiarity with, with the things that we see every day, could this person be a horror person? Could this person be a monster? Um, and I think that that was accomplished in the action because of that. So um, in this film, I think the the way he approached it was was amazing because, you know, not only the characters are in depth and they have internal and external struggles, but they're facing, you know, creatures and monsters that are, are extremely way more grounded to reality um, because they look that way. And I think that that, serve the purpose very well um, using practical effects. Not that I don't like CG. I think it has its place, but unfortunately in this time and era, I think it's an oversaturated element in a lot of films. Um, agreed. That answers your question. Wholeheartedly agreed. Yes. 
and, and for the ladies, oh, Haiti and Nicole, uh, applause for the, the portraits. I always enjoy horror films that the females are strong-willed and they're not running yeah. in the forest and tripping yeah, over. Really, <laughs> yeah, that was that was awesome. I like seeing a sassy little girl in that. I think there's something more to be said that it's it's especially in today's age, like it's more respectable to be more of a powerhouse female. And I think there was something that I could relate to a little bit more in that sense. That mm. you know, not quite as naive. You know, still some naivety just in the youth, but um, mm-hmm. a little bit more strength behind her. Absolutely, and and for both Haiti and Nicole, uh, how did you build on these characters, especially Haiti, uh, the character that you portray? She's she's on a mission, and she has some conflicts going on, and all of a sudden she has Just to survive, and she she has some badassery up until the end of the film. <laughs> yeah, I mean. For me, there was a lot of work that went into the script um, beforehand, before getting to set, and even while on set, because, you know, as with most projects, most films, especially this caliber, you have to be ready for things to change at the last minute and, you know, script changes and everything like that. There was nothing drastic, but it was just the co- the characters and relationships were constantly developing as we were meeting each other, the actors. Mm-hmm. Um and for the most part, they were just becoming more intricate and detailed, which was such a beautiful thing about our cast. Um, I personally did a lot of background work. And as as the lead of a feature film where it is a little bit more plot driven and you do have to drive the story forward, I think a lot of work had to go into creating a background for me between all of these different characters. And like I said, those just kind of got more intense as we would continue to shoot. So um, for mm-hmm. me, um, yeah, each relationship was very distinct and specific. Mm. And I have to, sure. I have to applaud the use of the axe in 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 the film for your character, Haiti. I'll say, hey, a uh, woman holding an axe, yeah, you better listen to what <laughs> she has to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that scene was a, a little bit rough to shoot, um, but it was it was. I have to say, there's something to be said about holding a heavy axe. I, I felt pretty powerful in that moment. <laughs> I was digging it. I was digging it as Darcy it. and as Nicole. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, I know Nicole, Nicole had the big kicker there. You know, I won't, I won't reveal anything quite yet, but she, she has a wonderful moment with it. But yeah, yielding an axe is no joke. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and for Nicole, let's, let's just delve on your character here. Uh, in my opinion, I feel that the the character you portray, Nicole, uh, she she's more sympathetic and really forgiving character, and which, of course, I'm not going to reveal what happens to her, but ultimately, that's that's the case. I, that's the impression I got. Uh, when you read the script, how did you carry on this character? What, what really jumped out for you? You know, everything for me really got easy when I met the cast. Uh, we got really lucky. We all got mm-hmm. very close very quickly. And um, the, the one thing about Darcy is that she's super protective. 
she shields it in a lot of uh, sarcasm and tries to be all tough girl. But really, when it comes to her her friends and her family, she's weak and she'll just do anything for them. And that's very similar to how I am in real life. So it was pretty easy once we got on set. And those, as Hattie said, as those relationships kept on developing in real life, it just got easier to become protective and and scared and worried about the well-being of the others. And that really drove my character. Nicholas, what were some of the highlights of creating an indie film project of this caliber? As you know, I mean, we had a very low budget. I mean, lower than probably uh, most indie films. Um, So as it was starting, I was literally just happy that each process was moving from one stage to the next. And as it kept going and things are coming together and people are joining the project, it started to get to a point where I'm like, this is really turning into a real thing. You know, like we didn't have, we didn't foresee this outcome necessarily. We were just taking everything one step at a time, trying to accomplish each individual goal in the moment. Um, and so, I mean, I mean, you can imagine there's just a bit of a struggle at every single moment. Um, you know, we we were going to shoot at a completely different location and we lost it oh, like a week and a half before shooting. And oh, wow. I was nearly devastated thinking like something like that was going to be like, that's it. You know, we only have a finite amount of money. We had it all planned. Um, you know, like what do we do? And then the week of before we're supposed to go up there, we find this completely new location. And, um, you know, it took a little bit of tailoring uh, in the writing to change blocking around and stuff, but it was kind of the perfect example for how the rest of the shoot went, where some things just really magically came came to us, you know what I mean? And like Nicole said, got so lucky with an amazing cast. Um, our crew was, I mean, the best I've certainly ever worked with. Of course, it's my first feature film, but on anything I've ever worked, never had so many people just so passionate. Each day, I mean, you know, you wake up 5 a.m., you're going to sleep, you know, you're out in the woods, it's cold as hell in the morning, and then, you know, like hot midday, and then right back to like super freezing. So, I mean, I was just hoping everyone was just going to sort of get through it without killing me, but that was like (laughs) totally not it. Everyone was so cool and so into it. They wanted to know more about what was going on and like the other axioms and my ideas in the story and and just really like living it. It was, it was really a dream come true. So to be honest, each step of the way was just one thing after another, people coming and lending their talent to this film. And I got to meet so many amazing professionals. Uh, so each step of the way was, uh, was really, really incredible. Oh, that's cool. <clears throat> that's good when every, everything just comes, just like, uh, what's this, uh, Hannibal from the A-Team. Love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> That definitely applies here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And there were times, you know, I mean, we, yeah, we didn't, didn't know what exactly we, would, uh, we were going to do. We met with struggles that every independent film faces, um, you know, so, tons of different things. But um, just our core was so strong that, uh, you know, we just figured out the problems, you know, had to just keep moving, keep going through it. And here we are. Um, from the editing standpoint, I it, it just... I actually was pretty surprised how well it came together. I know that Nicholas and I sat a bunch of times discussing what 
his views were and, and what he wanted to get out of it. And, and I was actually surprised to meet somebody who I've worked in this business for a long time and he had such a strong grasp of exactly what he wanted and what he wanted to see. And um, it, he really did an amazing job. I mean, we're talking about shooting in the elements out here, you know, such a short, you know, 14 days. I think that was how long I shot it in 14 days, um, you know, in the elements, you know, dealing with nature, you know, and it looks beautiful, practical effects being done. Um, I was astonished when I actually read the script and said, this is amazing. I want to see the footage. When I saw the footage, I was like, I'm on board. Um, and then really from then on, it was just, it was amazing. We had the best time cutting it. I mean, I, I can say it was one of the, Nicholas is one of the best directors I've worked with. He really had a great vision and he stuck with it. Never compromised. Um, argued with him a bunch of times, but in the end, <laughs> everything he said was, was, um, was right. And, and he agreed and let me say what I wanted to say. And, and, uh, it was a great collaboration. He really knew exactly what he wanted and it shows. Mm. It strongly shows. It, it's funny that you bring up the argument part because that's that's always good when it comes to a production. I, I say an argument, but it's not really an argument. It's mm -hmm. more a, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I've worked with a lot of people and I, and I know mm -hmm. he was kind of fresh doing it. But, you know, it, 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 I, I challenged him a bunch of times, but yet it was great because he challenged me. Right. Because, you know, I've worked with many directors and I've worked with many producers. And mm -hmm. I've met so many who literally just you know, go out there and shoot a bunch of footage and, and get in the editing bay and they go, let's figure out what we're going to do. Well, in this case, Nicholas didn't do that. Nicholas knew exactly what he wanted. He went out there like he was sh shooting 35 millimeter, you know, and that's where the school that I come from. Right, you have to go out there right. knowing exactly what shots you need to get because if you don't do that, you're, you're screwed. You're, right. you're messed up. Right, uh, right. When we sat in the edit bay, you know, he was worried about certain things. We solved those issues. I was astonished when I, when I saw what he accomplished. Um, and, and amazed by not only that, the acting, I mean, the performances from Patty, from Tyler, from Nicole, from Zach, from all of them. Uh, I, I haven't seen that. You know, you, you may, usually in a horror film, you get one actor who's good or two maybe, but such a strong balance between them. And, and for Nicholas to be able to kind of direct that and, and find this talent and put them all together into one pool uh, astonished me. I mean, he really did a great job with the casting and really knew exactly what he was looking for. I don't think he compromised by pulling in friends in any way. I think he went with the best people. And, and as I saw this developing in the edit, I was like, wow, these are really good actors and they deserve to be seen. Um, and it shows. I mean, I, I have yet to see a horror film, and not just saying that, where the whole cast um, really does have this kind of, it feels like they've known each other for a very long time. And it, it was amazing. The Cabin in the Woods Horror Subgenre I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill all of you. For this topic, we're going to be discussing on the many films in horror that delve into the cabin in the woods and the axiom is also another contributor to the subgenre much much more popular than zombies and any other topic put together you have jason you have evil dead you have of course the film cabin in the woods but what makes a film original even though we see this plot so many times 
and, and sometimes it could get tiring to watch the same shit over and over again. But any of it, the axiom has originality. Stacy, what, in your opinion, makes the axiom feel original in this subgenre that we've seen countless times before? I guess I would have to say the plot. Um, how they're all, you know, like led to this. Like we said, this just this whole other realm, you know, st- like from this forest area into this other realm <clears throat> where all these creatures exist. And then just to know that, you know, there are other worldly creatures and, you know, government has to be behind it or someone of power has to be behind it. It's that whole aspect right there uh, that, that makes it different. Right. And when I was watching the Axiom, a bunch of other films came to mind. And you had mentioned in our previous segment about the ritual, which I completely forgot about. And that's one another film, too, that delves into people walking into the woods and having unforeseen circumstances. But in my opinion, I think even though we've seen this so many times before, the Axiom has originality. I think the strong points here is the performances I think the axiom really stands out because each actor conveyed their role superbly and it makes you connect with them if the acting were more B-movie type or style or that type of conveyance I don't think I would give two shits about a film (laughs) like that (laughs) Because I, I wouldn't connect with the characters. And here I connected with everyone. I connected with uh, Mackenzie. I connected with Edgar. Uh, Darcy. Everyone had something to give that makes you say to yourself, are they going to survive? Will they survive? And when they die, you're like, oh, fuck, really? Why did they have to die? <laughs> well, you know, as, I, as I've said time and time again, um... Like, even though all aspects of making a film is like domino effect, uh, I always say that it's very important for the audience to be able to, to connect with the uh, the cast. You know, you need that connection. And if the cast is not, you know, portraying at a decent level to where I can connect, then I don't really care too much else about the rest of the film because my experience is going to be oh well I mean the cast performances uh, were crappy but so that instantly makes it a C a C grade movie instantly epic performances are not up to par you know because just take this situation that they're all in you know they're being abducted and possessed and everything well if you can't portray to me you know, that you're being possessed in your body language and your expression and everything is just so-so, then it's like, well, okay, I guess. Absolutely. And the the fact, I've heard this a couple of times before from filmmakers and when they release a film and we know it it could compare to other films prior to that, they would say yeah but that's what audiences want if they made a film that resembles the evil dead 
that is what the audience the audiences want to see another evil dead so i'm saying to myself okay maybe that's true maybe the audiences are so accustomed to these cabin in the wood films make it a slasher or a zombie or demons or portals or whatever the case may be maybe the audiences are so looking forward to the next film that delves into this that they really don't care if it's another film such as this but i find if you're going to do something like that think outside the box and i think that's what the 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 team behind the axiom did they thought they thought outside the box every element worked well if they would have created the creatures let's say with more practical or even cgi i think the film would be not as stellar as it is I'm so glad they went with practical effects. And I'm so glad that they went with uh, being more human than anything. But, you know, Stacey, uh, many in the horror community, the trolls or some reviewers, they might put the film down because of that. And I, I find that that's not cool because there's so much work involved to creating a film that even though it's subpar there's a lot of work that went into it (laughs) of course there are exceptions but I think on this film everything was well put together and it stands out from the pack oh yeah definitely Um, this film was uh, really good again the scare factor is not that great not even jump scares really Um, and that's one thing that I had thought that there was going to be with some jump scares but Everything else is great. Right. The one thing that really grinds my gears is the axe. When it's being dragged across the floor, we see it in Resident Evil. We see it in the crazies. We see it in the axiom. That is one thing that really grinds my gears. Ah, Stop doing that. Filmmakers, please stop doing that. The axe is not that heavy. Uh, do something else with it. You know what I'm talking about, right, Stacy? When they drag in the head of the axe across the floor. Oh my gosh! I'm like, why? Why do you do that? When you say that, that actually makes me think about. And this wasn't the axe, but that makes me think about um, uh, Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. <laughs> right. He drags every time. Yeah. Every time I see that, I see. But um. It's funny the way they do that. I'm like, yeah, that axe isn't that heavy. Come on now. Right. Pick up the axe. Hey, God, pick it up. Do something different. I, th- I think that's that's corny. That's just corny in my opinion. And I, th- I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to do it for theatrics, visual, making the, the killer more terrifying. But no, it's just... No. I don't want to see that at all. It just grinds my gears. But other than that, I think that in in terms of originality, even if it's a slasher film of a group of campers in the woods, you have to have some type of originality. Uh, Make the campers different. Make the situation different. Make the antagonist different. There's this one film I have yet to see. The Ranger, I believe where the killer is uh, is the park ranger and it's set back in the 80s i think that's even better because everything that has to do with the 80s is popular now because you have stranger things and you have 
a couple of other shows that go back to the past. You got to really just be original. And I'm glad uh, Axiom doesn't fall into that standard template. Something different. Yes, the Axiom just adds something more. Uh, because we've talked about before about originality and everything and how everything has already been done. But that doesn't mean that there's not any room for, you know, creation. And Axiom actually adds something new to the genre right right and with the evil dead which i'm i am quite sure that the axiom is going to get compared to the evil dead but it's two different things entirely if you look at the axiom it has to do with interdimensional portals and whatever these things are demons spirits whatever and the evil dead has to do with conjuring demons from a book and everybody's getting decapitated and mutilated there's some relatable content, but there's two different entities. One film, although I believe it was released in, uh, I'm, I'm going to say Russia, but I know I'm incorrect. In the Russia area, uh, in Europe, let's just put it general, in Europe, that film it is a page by page comparable to The Evil Dead. And I have to watch the, the... I have to research the name of that film right now. So that way I can clarify where is it from. But when you're comparing it... Those out there, when you're comparing the Axiom to the Evil Dead... Yeah, there's some things that you could say it, it looks the same. But quality and cinematography, performances-wise... It's just you comparing apples to oranges. It's just a totally different plot. Yeah, I, I don't really think this film should get uh, compared to Evil Dead. If anything, it may be categorized in that whole, you know, cabin in the woods, uh, you know, world. But as far as the comparison, when you watch the film, there's, I mean, it, it's still in uh, its own, you know, lane. Precisely. And like I said, it has to do with the performance. I think that's what really carried the film is just the, the performances. You could watch any other Cabin in the Woods film and they would stand out from the pack is all about the characters. Take, for example, Cabin in the Woods, the film itself uh, is just so weird. And you know what's going on and you know even though you don't know so much about the characters it's just the scenario of what's developing to them that makes that film so original so that could be for a slasher maybe this, if you're doing a cabin in the woods slasher why don't make him into a creature or a bigfoot that killing people or something I don't know, not bigfoot because we've seen so many bigfoot right Stacy? Uh, bigfoot to just stay out of that <laughs> yeah, honestly, you know, the way I feel about Bigfoot movies now is the next Bigfoot movie that come out, he better fly or something, or he better be Bigfoot the year 2050. That's how I feel about Bigfoot movies now. Right. <laughs> that Yeah, the, those, those films should be put to rest. And uh, we've seen our share of 
Bigfoot movies. I think they were like five or six Bigfoot movies released last year. Even though it doesn't fall into the cabinet, well, sometimes it does because you have the campers in the woods and they're hanging out and they die. Yeah. But no, please do something different. I don't want to see Bigfoot involved in that type of scenario. Do something a werewolf, a chupacabra, something different. Please, Bigfoot is so overrated. But that, that's that's the thing here. Bigfoot is overrated. There's so many films on Bigfoot, but yet Cabin in the Woods type of films is not so much overrated because there's so much content out there. You could check INDB, but yet people just want to see more. And even though that cliche of the cell phones not working in the woods, we still expect that to happen and it's still, we accept it. I don't know. what There's some type of lure about it. The Axiom Roundtable Interview Director, Writer, Nicholas Woods Actress Hattie Smith. Actress Nicole Dambro. Editor, Visual Effects Alex Gons. Here is the second part of our two-part roundtable interview with the cast and crew for the newly released horror thriller, The Axiom. Once again, you're listening to the writer-director, Nicholas Woods, visual effects, and editor Alex Gons, actress Haiti Smith, actress Nicole Dambro. And once again, visit dkmag.com for our written questionnaire with actor William Kirshner. For Hattie and Nicole, one thing that I do notice for horror cinema is the <clears throat> on-screen chemistry. And that is so important, especially when you're trying to convey fear, uh, you're trying to convey any other type of emotion. In my opinion, horror has the, you have to portray your, your character more so in horror uh, cinema than, let's say, comedy. Uh, you could you could be a jester all you want, but you have to convey so many levels into your character. For, so general question, um how is it as an actor, actress in this case, to jump into that character, jump into that role, uh, and really convey these different levels of emotions for horror cinema? Um, well, I guess what what I would say is that horror specifically, and and I and I see what you're saying in terms of like contrasting that between comedy, um, comedy for me in my mind, reminds me a lot of reality. Comedy is a really good way to not address what's going on in life. Whereas, like, and not to, not to hang on it at all, I love comedy. In fact, a lot of times what I end up shooting outside of horror is comedy and what I end up writing is comedy. But um, comedy is a really good way to kind of bulldoze over the emotions of reality. And I think that this genre specifically, and this film specifically, we were really required to get back to our primal states of mind just because it is mm-hmm. it's, it's survival of the fittest it's it's survival it's protection it's um saving the ones that you love so um 
it was required pretty much on day one for us to just kind of dive right in, which is once again, I, I'm, I can't stop applauding Nicholas and um, Max Landworth, the production or our other producer who um, put so much work into the casting because without all that work and without the chemistry that kind of was founded on day one, um, we all did our homework. We all kind of jumped in 110% from day one and um, okay. getting to that primal, primal fear and need to protect one another was kind of almost instinctual. Exactly. It was, it was really easy to, to like bond and get real comfortable with each other because we were all staying in the same cabin. And every night uh, before we went to bed as actors, we checked in with each other and we went over the script and we mm-hmm. prepared and talked about, you know, what we were going to do the next day and what we wanted out of it. And if we were having any problems, or like blocks as actors or something didn't feel right, we worked through it together before we even got on set. So if you combine mm-hmm. our preparation together as a team with Nicholas's preparation as a director, the efficiency of our crew, I mean, we're talk about just getting lucky on all fronts like we all just really worked together on that so it made it easy once we got on set to get into those really scary dark moments freezing and cold yeah and it's this dress in like 30 degree weather i was already shivering and frightened (laughs) oh yeah the the girls were all cold i think every morning noon and night but um also it looked good (laughs) yeah it did look great it looks great (laughs) But um, I will also say that just personally for my character, because um, the intentions, positive intentions are all there. And, and the love and commitment she has to primarily her family is, I, I hope, um, easy to read. But um, just going off of what Nicole said, there is a little bit of a disconnect between my character and the rest of the group, which... I tried to do as much as possible. It was it was very difficult because we did flow so well together. But for the most part, I would try to go and branch off into my room a little bit earlier than the rest of them, just because um, I I did want that authentic disconnect to be there a little bit. Um, but I don't know. It, it was it was hard to do because we did all flow so well together, and they really helped evoke a lot of emotions for me. It was it was almost painful to do, which I think was also helpful to my character development. Mm. Well, once again, applause. Oh, uh, yeah. I and definitely we, enjoyed the acting. Sorry, <laughs> I was just going to add one more thing, and that's pretty awesome. In addition to her doing that, we also put Taylor in the dungeon room of the cabin. Yes. So that really helped him develop his character as well. Yeah. Secluded, quite secluded. So that was the secret. uh, For (laughs) clarification, yeah, Taylor uh, is he plays uh, Edgar in the film, and uh, one sort of uh, struggling with, I guess, uh, certain certain things. He's uh, 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 sort of the first to sort of succumb to uh, the darkness going on in the Axiom, and so they decided to put him in the most like secluded isolated room in the corner of this cabin where he would be around anyone and sort of scary which is kind of funny once i heard that (laughs) yeah he has since told me that it he thought that room was haunted (laughs) 
<laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that was a, that was a good call, guys. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> it, it seems to me this this whole production was one adult camping trip, uh, and in the end result of a film was made. So true. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it really did. I think I felt like that for hopefully everyone uh, who was working. Um, you know, just wanted everyone to have fun. Obviously, be safe. Um, but then just have fun, and uh, you know, when we're off, uh, we took a lot of notes and planning this film based off of Sam Raimi doing a Evil Dead back in the day, and how um, uh, you know they they did that. They all just stayed up in a big cabin up there, and so they were just all together the whole time, and um, learned that you know it just brought apparently brought them close together pretty quickly. Everyone's just in it together the whole time, and um, so we figured, you know. Got to do what Raimi yeah, did. Yeah, it was our and, family uh, for a month. Wow, uh, that's that's interesting, Nick uh, Nicholas, uh, that you bring up the Evil Dead. I, I'm, I, I am assuming that that would be the comparison across the board once the reviews start coming in for the Axiom. Uh, would that be something? Uh, a great honor or is this something okay well the axiom stands on its own and perhaps it pays homage but you want your own standing on originality sure i don't know i don't, I don't care if it if, if it if somebody thinks that and they go you know that makes them more excited I'm, I'm in whatever the comparison is but i like um uh i mean evil dead is probably one of my all-time favorite movies and you know, I mean, the the cabin in the woods genre has definitely sort of, you know, it's filtered out and we definitely didn't want to be one of those movies per se. We just, mm -hmm. what I wanted was to kind of start on the idea, uh, since we were going into such a different idea and sort of a, um, sort of a new idea, um, in a way, or sort of our own world that we're trying to create and it is pretty out there, um, that we wanted to come into it in a familiar territory in the beginning. And so that you have this idea immediately, you know, you're going to make those obvious comparisons. Oh, five people going into the woods. Oh, you know, seen this before, right. but then hopefully everything else is different. What, you know, from that initial introduction. Right. I think you, 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 you inserted a pun, Hades character, reference jason i say okay that must be making a pun because hey they're in the woods themselves and it seems kind of funny that the dialogue <laughs> yeah, yeah, was used exactly uh, for alex what are yeah. some of the things that uh, you have to consider as an editor uh to really put life into the film when you start cutting especially for a horror film I heard a term that in the editing phase, you can make a a bad actor look good or you could make a bad a, a shot look good. So, so what are some of the things that you consider when you just bring all these things together? It's a great question. Um, I'm the puzzle maker. You know, I, I can literally, you know, after discussing, you know, when I always sit down to edit a film, you know, I talk with the director, I see his visions, you know, I, I, I try to pull from where, he's going in certain ways. So he actually talked to me a lot about certain films he had watched and, and for me to watch in certain ways. And we had discussed that. And, and then, you know, seeing the footage, 
you know, the whole point uh, to me, horror and comedy are very similar when you're cutting them. Your, your reaction is the most important, the timing, Mm. you know, a drama is a drama, Mm -hmm. you know, with a horror, if you don't, if you don't time the scare correctly, it's not going to work. Same Mm -hmm. as comedy. If you don't time the joke correctly, it's not funny. Um, in, in horror, much like comedy, like I mentioned, you know, to, uh, to me, when I was sitting with Nicholas and discussing, we really wanted to kind of, you know, build this sort of a flow. And, and as you know, the film was only shot in, I believe, 14 days. Nicholas, if I'm correct, 10 to 14 days. Um, uh, you know, there weren't many takes, 13 days. So, you know, we're not talking about, you know, he, if you look at the film, there's a lot of coverage, there's a lot of areas, right. a lot of shots. Yeah. You know, I believe there was, there's a lot. So, you know, we're talking about one or two takes on a lot of things here. So, you know, and I was amazed that he was able to accomplish this and get all these shots put together. Um, so when I sat down and I, and I talked to him about it and we worked through it, you know, our main goal was to take what we had and, and really try to build off of it and, and build a certain flow and build those scares the best that we could. You know, when we needed to get pickup shots and certain things to build those elements, Nichols was on it. Boom. Pickup shots were got to, to fill those holes. Um, and I think that's really how it came together, you know, and, when it came down to, you know, making a good actor look bad and a bad actor look good, I was kind of lucky on this. There mm-hmm. wasn't really any bad actors. Right, right. You know, Nicole, Hattie, Zach, Tyler, you know, everybody, Michael, they all really, it was like they knew each other. When I watched the film, I felt like these were friends from before. And mm-hmm. I was surprised that they all weren't. You know, and then when Nicholas told me that they all camped out and he made him do an escape room together and all these things, it, it was like it made sense. You know, Nicholas was really well prepared when it came down to that. So as I sat down to edit, um, it, it wasn't too difficult to make them look good. Yeah, we had a couple takes where it was only one or two shots where I had to kind of maneuver some things around or figure things out. But in general, their performances to me was what kept me going. I was like, wow, these are these are great performances. You know, mm-hmm. it's not your average horror film here. They, these characters are, are not just internal, but they're also external. There's There's so many things going on. They have backstories. They have issues that are actually you know, compromising themselves in the film that are making their characters go down that path of horror in certain ways. You know, you Tyler's character, for example, you know, is very in-depth, which I fell in love with in a certain way. So, um, and the performance, like I said, really made the edit move very quickly. You know, it was not difficult to make them look good in certain ways. You know, I, right. I could take as much credit as I want to, but in the end, they were very good. Right. So right. It, it helped in many ways when you're in the day. Absolutely, yeah, and I could understand uh, being in, having experience in editing. Uh, it's always complex when you don't have the right footage or the performances were subpar, and you're just trying to figure out how to f- solve this Rubik's cube. Uh, wow! Oh, tip my hats off to anyone who could really put a good film together. And of course, it all comes down to good acting and also great camera work because in the axiom we have these great shots especially uh mm-hmm. when when uh, taylor was chained up to the wall and we see that tilt camera tilt to influence that sense of uh, uh paranoia uh, that was very elaborately set up there Yeah, I was amazed. You know, I, I like I said before, when when I when I saw how fast they shot the film, and you know, Sten was the cinematographer, and and I looked over his footage, and you know, we're talking about shooting outdoors. We're not talking about indoors here with setups and lightings. You know, and, and we're talking about outdoor. And I, and I've shot, I worked on a lot of projects that are shot outdoors, and I was astonished. You know, they really 
beautiful. I mean, it, they, they shot up in Idlewild and, and, and the footage was gorgeous. It looked amazing. And, and he really utilized, you know, lighting and he utilized great frames, great composition. The blocking that, that Nicholas chose with, with Stan and the actors, it, everything flowed, it moved. You know, everything was planned extremely well. Um, and, and that made in the edit bay just that much more fun to edit. It gave us options, mm-hmm. which is so great. You know, there's nothing more than editor loves. As you said, you're an editor. When you're sitting there in the edit bay, you're like, wow, this is a great performance. This right. that's all of that. But now we have these abilities to kind of play with this because there's so much beauty in these shots and there's great frames and there's great moments. So we can kind of maneuver around this and we can kind of build this world that Nicholas wants. And, and that made it amazing. I mean, I, and I sat down and assembled the first thing. I think I assembled it pretty fast. If I remember, mm-hmm. it was pretty quickly because, you know, Nicholas gave me not many shots and yet they were all good. So it was more or less trying to fine tune what I had laid down, getting his feedback. And he came back with some amazing ideas and concepts and, and knew what I needed to, to complete those holes that we saw. And, and it just, it, it fell together. It's one of those films where I, I can honestly say it's one of the best ones I've worked on, you know, with the acting was stellar. The cinematography was great, great directing you know, great writing, you know, horror films are usually very flat. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's one character mm-hmm. who's, who's got some interest, but when every character is, is pivotal in a way to how the, the film progresses and how it breaks down each character, um, Nicholas's writing shows in that, you know, each character has their own internal struggle and it's shown as well as an external, mm-hmm. uh, external struggle that we actually see in the film. Right, absolutely. And, and for Haiti and Nicole and, all, and also for, for Nicholas, uh, that the the characters have great backstories, as Alex has mentioned, and usually the case when we see these cabin in the woods type of films, they're like, oh, here we go. These these uh, group of people are going to the woods, and the writer would toss in the reason why they're going there, and it just seems so like placed there. But in this case, everyone has their struggles. We have relationships going on. We have comedy relief, of course, <laughs> and uh, that was that blended well to very, to ease the the tension of what was going on because what the, the shit hit the fan pretty quick in this film. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Haiti. Um, sorry, I, what was the question? Uh, no, I was just adding some input there for that. Uh, oh, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, Haiti and Nicole, we've seen a surge of popularity now. We have Women in Horror Film Festival, Women in Horror Month. And, of course, what are both of your aspects now uh, in this developing field for women in horror? Do you want to go on this, Patty? <laughs> I can I, I can Ooh, definitely add questions. what you said. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a it's a difficult question because um I, I've been asked I've been asked similar questions like this before and in all honesty I think that going all the way back to like Halloween and all of the classic horror films of that I'm familiar with at least. Um there can be a tendency to have this cliche female character, this damsel in distress, this um, woman who, you know, always runs upstairs instead of walking out the front door. You know what I mean? Right. And um, I think that a lot of times, especially in horror, there is a tendency to make the female character um, a little bit more naive and um, 
a little bit more um, sensitive or over-sexualized and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, despite our glorious outfits with the low temperatures, um, the characters, the female characters in the Axiom were, I think, um, a rarity uh, for the horror genre, just because mm-hmm. despite the, you know, the emotional trauma of the situation and the conflicts that each character is facing, I know primarily my character, she's torn in about a thousand different directions. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have the strong, independent foundation behind our characters. And I thought that was really refreshing for the genre. It it was, mm-hmm. you know, I was, my character specifically, I know I was able to fight back, like, for once. It wasn't just me getting dragged around, which, well, maybe I did get dragged around <laughs> a little bit. But. <laughs> a lot of the time it was, you know, I felt powerful. And um, that was something that I felt like I personally can relate to. I mean, I grew up with an older brother and um, Martin in the film, um, Zach Titus played my brother and um, we had a pretty authentic relationship on set as well, just because we would always be, you know, wrestling around. And I feel like um, there's, um, I don't know, a sense of, I don't want to say camaraderie, but camaraderie and equivalence. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, there was just a, a stronger faith in the female characters in this film. And that was really refreshing. Mm-hmm. For sure. I know we we get uh, films nowadays. I mean that I, I think it's been happening over the last like twenty thirty years. I mean there's films that will still you know putting women in those lame roles where they're just the damsel in distress or just have sort of no um, sort of character or depth really to them. But I mean we're still getting very good ones where and maybe more um, nowadays too. Um, mm-hmm. With strong female characters, you know, we've got Hereditary, uh, uh, Tony right. Collette, yeah. and, and that uh, the French movie Revenge, awesome um, more character. You've got The Witch. Um, I don't know. I see it's honestly, I, I'm trying to think of now some more horror movies that I have been seeing that aren't remakes that aren't <laughs> starring women, honestly. Yeah. I don't know if it's a new, a new yeah. awesome resurgence, but uh, it's coming. It's, it's, it's going to uh, be good, I think, final. for you guys. Final female phenomenon. Right, right. There you go. You know? Right. I mean, even in Scream. So yes. Yeah. Final female now. Absolutely. But I mean, beyond that, it was a real, it was a privilege to, to play strong females. And I especially loved playing a strong female with a potty mouth. That was my <laughs> favorite. Chalk it up to good writing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you know, this movie was so cool. It was so great to have two strong females. There was no, like, dumb bimbo that you kill no, off right away. Right, right. Which I do love a good bimbo. I do. I do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> but it was it was nice to, to not have to lose a friend so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but also, you know, right? people like Nicholas that are writing these strong female characters inspire other people to write strong female characters, which is inspiring equality in film and writing real characters that we can all relate to instead of the traditional roles. And um, yeah, I mean, I was inspired by this film as well. And I want to write things with strong female characters. So, yeah. Absolutely. Ditto. Absolutely. 
And uh, well, I would love to ask more questions, but we're running out of time. A final question for uh, Nicholas: the axiom, clever play on the whole government involvement here. Uh, in your opinion, as a writer, uh, what is the axiom? Because as we all know, in real life, we have the the Skinwalker Ranch, which the government owned, and there's a lot of paranormal activity. And I'm quite sure the, uh, the previous owner, Bigelow, knew about it. That's why he went into aerospace design. Um, interesting. Um, yeah, so our, I mean, we wanted to have that take where, uh, you know, again, yeah, government um, involvement, but we never deal with them or see them. I mm -hmm. find those moments in these films um, kind of the most, or those are the least interesting. Um, that's funny you, you bring up Skinwalker Ranch, um, uh, the, uh, the witches. Um, we had actually heard a, uh, a location near ours. Um, I guess some Wiccans uh, get together every, uh, every year and do some sort of interesting ritual, I mean, even just near our location. But, um, you know, uh, it was an interesting, it was an interesting sort of thing to, to kind of delve into because, um, you know, I wanted to keep things, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, keep things a little bit, I wanted to keep things grounded, but I wanted to, um, and, uh, but keep things simple in their design. You know what I mean? I wanted to explore these ideas and these, uh, these cool, um, scientific, uh, ideas as, you know, portals or other dimensions, but again, keep it, keep it simple in its, um, in its, definition and its exploration in terms of you know uh not really trying to ourselves define too much but for us as well as you know the characters like we're all exploring it together you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. sure there's other people who have learned a lot about this and know about it but that's not where the story is necessarily we interact some with these characters but we're really with the characters who are just learning this for the first time as is will the audience um in this time so um you know, that's, that's sort of the route I wanted to go for with this film. And, uh, you know, I hope, um, hope people watch it and, uh, you know, find intrigue uh, and a little bit new ideas here with our film compared to other films or literature that deal with, um, you know, other dimensions and other uh, possibilities of other worlds out there. Right, right. Thank you for that. That just, was a just clever to add Nicholas, Just to add on what Nicholas said there, I think that he made a great point. And what I love about the film is, is to touch on that is, it reminds you of like a campfire story. You know, right. you, you hear the story of people being lost in the woods and, and, they're, and they're lost there. And, and this kind of answers one of those kind of questions. You know, I actually, I did some research on the film and, and many people go lost in the woods all the time. And there's many that are, are right. not even, they're unexplained answers. So what intrigued me is that Nicholas kind of took that spin and, and made it like a campfire story that, you know, a government conspiracy or something hidden that we all, oh, we kind of pass sort of passerby, oh, it's not true, it's not true. But these things actually happen. Yes. I'm not saying that I'm a conspiracy theorist of those things happen, but <laughs> he took that story and kind of and weaved it into a into a horror supernatural film where there could be an explanation. This could be it. There could be these portals. There could be these locations and forests that randomly pop up that people just go missing, a Bermuda Triangle type thing. Right. And, and that to me was something that was right. kind of fresh and new in a certain way. And I think that that's what he touched on with the folklore and, and kind of that style of where you're sitting around telling your kids a campfire story. You know, you don't want them to go in the woods 
because you're afraid you're going to get lost from them and you tell them a story like this. Um, you know, and mm-hmm. that's what makes it so great. Absolutely. Right. You know, and, it's one of those kind of things where it's, 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 it's familiar with everybody. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, there is actually a documentary titled Missing that delves onto people getting yes. lost in, in, in the woods. Uh, I actually thought, yeah. Yeah. yeah right. True. Creepy right. stuff. Uh, to close out the interview, uh, beginning with Haiti, uh, your social media handles and where people can find you online. Oh, okay. Um, you can find me online either at my website, HattieKPSmith.com, or you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at HattieKPSmith. And Nicole? Yes, mine is uh, NicoleDambro.com. And then you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at D. Great. And Nicholas? Uh, mine is at NicholasWoods.co. Um, that's just Instagram. I don't have Twitter or uh, any of the other things. but I'll make sure you email these all to you. So you got them. So you got the actual spelling of everything correctly. Cool. And of course, Alex, what are your social media handles? Uh, it's Gans Media, G-A-N-S-M-E-D-I-A on Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah. But I'll, oh. I'll make sure to email you, like I said, so there's correct spelling and everybody has it. And the website's alexgans.com is one of them. Okay, great. Thank well, you for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone, <laughs> for your time. Uh, of course. We could delve so much into it because the Axiom is such a great concept, well-written, well-performed. Thank you, Haiti and Nicole, for your portraits of great, strong female leads. I loved it. And for the on-stream chemistry, uh, all-around great production. Thank you so much, Ben. It was an honor. Yeah. Great. Thanks. And I'll be uh, forwarding, Alex, this... uh, interview to you uh, once I have it uh, edited and published. Awesome. awesome. And I'll follow up with you on Appreciate email. It. And thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank hey, you. Have you. a great thank week. All righty. All right, Ken. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Character development. Stacy, one area of the axiom we keep bringing up the topic of how the performances were great. The character development. Let's jump into that as the next topic. Even if we're talking about a slasher film or a cabin in the woods type of film, I think the character development is key. We know that the, sometimes the, all the characters are going to die. I call those uh, single-serving characters, just like how you would go to the on a plane. You're going into uh, take a trip to Detroit. You aboard a plane, and they give you a bag of peanuts, single-serving peanuts. They're not giving you the whole bowl of peanuts, of course. They're just giving you a whole bag. I compare that to these characters in Cabin in the Woods type of films. Single-serving. You know they're gonna be disposable. You don't give two shits about them whatever but in the rare occasion such as the axiom you care about the characters you care about their backstory you know that they have a mission why they're there in the woods to begin with in the film i don't know stacy if you've seen the forest 
that could be compared to the axiom where the girl went into the forest to look for her sister. But in the forest, I couldn't care less about that main character. I, even though she had a mission, it was like, okay. And what is supposed to happen? Why, why, should, I con why should I feel concerned for you? Yes. Um, plus, not to mention that the, uh, the whole story was really supposed to be about her sister. So um, I would have rather see, like, you know, more so, like, maybe flashbacks or something like that on how her sister is doing out there in that forest versus, like, we're following her journey to find her sister. It's her sister that we care about. So it would have been nice if we would have went back and forth from, like, the present day um, to the past, like, how her sister got there, like, um, what was going on with her sister, just, like, little, like, little flashbacks. And even in the present day, um, what's happening to her sister, you know, I would have rather see that. You make an interesting point that is spot on, right? Give some emphasis on the sister. What? How did she get there? Right. You're absolutely correct. I think that emotional content is what was missing for the axiom. Yeah. And we would have connected. Because yeah, we would have connected more with uh, Mackenzie. But also, I uh, noticed like something like that also went on with uh, Marilyn. You know, Mackenzie and Mark and Martin's uh, sister Marilyn. That's who they're trying to find. Um, but all we hear is them having like little, you know, gossip talk about how Marilyn is, how she was, or why she's out there. But we never really get to know Marilyn. And for this whole film to be about Marilyn and finding Marilyn, I feel like there should have been some flashbacks about Marilyn. Um, you know, how she how she got out there or, you know, how she's doing there. You know, because we know she's still alive. So why aren't we seeing clips um, like going flashbacks on how she's doing while she's out there in that other portal? Right. Great point. Something I overlooked. I, I it did not occur to me that was the missing link to this film. You see, that's always good to have different perspective when you're watching the film. I totally overlooked that. And funny that you bring that up about the sister because when she does find her sister in the axiom, I was saying to myself, "Who's that girl? Why is she hugging her?" And it just doesn't didn't have the connection. When I realized it was her sister, like, oh, okay. All right, let's go back to the action. Now, her running, uh, Mackenzie, that is, her running and trying to figure out what the shit is going on. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I agree with you, Stacy, 100%. That was a missing link here. Uh, with character development, that was one area that was very, really lacking in the axiom. And we would have had a different perspective of the film, of Mackenzie herself and everybody else. That's. Great, great. Uh, well, also, point. another character that went under the radar, um, let's see, uh, Leon's wife. Uh, what was her name? I think it was yes. Je Jessica. Uh, she, she was kind of in the same as Marilyn, uh, kind of in the same predicament. I mean, I know we're all trying to find Marilyn, but um, also, you know, he asked them to look for his wife. 
you know, right. she's also a nerd. So that's another character that went under the radar. It's pretty much just, just like little talks about Jennifer, but not like seeing her progress and how she's doing. I mean, of course, we finally see that in the film, but uh, you know, I, I think yeah, Marilyn and Jennifer both just went under the radar completely. Um, another character that we've already talked about, Leon how his character needed more development, you know. Um, and of course, we are we're, we already know the creatures themselves and that whole uh, situation right there needed more development too. Right. The creatures itself, they look good visually. <clears throat> they were lacking story-wise. What, what type of dimensions they were coming from? Uh, were there... Because if... I, I've read my fair share of interdimensional portals that lead into alternate wor- universes, alternate worlds, much as our own. So you could have different versions of you living in different universes. And sometimes those portals open and in, strange things can happen. But in this circumstance, we have these... Why are they why are they taking possession of people? And that's one aspect that many would compare that to the evil dead because they, they're taking possession of people. They're acting violent. Why? What are these creatures? That's what I would like to know. Why be violent? They're grouchy. They didn't have their morning coffee. Something's wrong here. Yeah. I say that, you know, the story was good because it was good, but it also needed more development just as much as character development is needed. Um, Like we as the audience pretty much just thrown into this chaotic uh, scenario. So they're trying to find Marilyn. They run into this guy who promises they'll find her alive. um, And then all the mayhem ensues. But again, there's no you know, backstory leading to this or progressing throughout to really explain to us what's going on, who are these creatures, who are they, who is Leon and those guys he was working with. You know, so a lot of development needed. Right. That that threw me off in the last the final act of the film. Where did these guys come from? Who were they? Why were their faces painted? Why all the dramatics there of kidnapping Mackenzie. Uh, what, what was going on? What, who is Leon? Is he he was trying to be a he was trying to be a badass. That character in the final act and comparing his character in the opening scene in act 1 is like two different people, totally different. And I think that the 360 element was uh, presented there in act 3, but it just didn't feel it just felt off felt off to me uh, that Leon character just needed a little bit more emphasis and you're right Stacey once again his wife what's up with her and why why did he leave her there that's another thing why did he leave her there did he hate her that much I think there's something to do that she cheated on him I think that was elaborated in the dialogue but there has to be something more than just that did you hold a grudge that bad that you left your wife into an in, interdimensional portal? It it just seems tossed in. Yeah, a lot 
seems just kind of thrown around. Um, what is the motivation for all of this? Like, this is all fine and well, you know. Uh, it's entertaining, but what is the motivation for it at the same time? It's that question, like, uh, why? It's, it's just a big, it's just like, why in capital bold letters, really? <laughs> it, right. And in these type of films where the relative goes to look for their uh, siblings or whatever, parents or whatever, in the forest... In most cases, we see that they went to the police. The police couldn't help them out. But in the axiom, we just find, okay, they just took it upon themselves. Hey, let's just go into this forest for no apparent reason, unprepared to what we are going to encounter. And as you had mentioned, Stacy, Mackenzie was aware that something weird was lurking in the forest based on the notes. And of course, Leon, when, hey, if somebody's giving you vials of whatever that was and telling you weird shit about the forest is just gonna make you think hmm should I really go in there like uh, something weird is going on maybe let's contact the authorities or let's contact someone who is really familiar with these woods I, I mean those are the little things you could nitpick on but overall Stacy, you have brought some elaborate good points on some of the plot holes with the character development And also, what exactly was those little vibes? What were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to, like, uh, you know, stop or, you know, stop from getting possessed? Or were they supposed to keep them safe or keep them sane? Because uh, you have a few things going on. You have once they're in there, uh, they're abducted, they're lost, they're confused. Um, then they become insane. And then they, you know, become possessed. Like, what exactly were their vials for? Right. Right. Because even though they drank the vials, shit started to happen regardless. So what was the whole point of that? Yeah. Yeah. I could see there's so much things that was going on. But visually, it looks great story-wise as you another great point stacy it's entertaining the axiom is entertaining well put together but certain characters lacked the attention i would have wanted to know more of Mackenzie's sister you're right what what made her go into the forest in the beginning to start her and what how did Mackenzie get her sister's journal if she's writing about the forest, wouldn't the journal be with her as well when she disappeared? How does she get a hold of it? I don't think... I have to watch the film again. How does she get a hold of the journal? That is a very good point right there. Um, and I kind of wonder, like, was it planted there or something? It's just so many, like, okay, how is this and how is that? It's a lot of that, you know, scattered throughout the film as well. Right. But with the with the journal, I think that would fall into plot holes. But overall, I think the segment really covered the character develop or lack thereof of certain characters in presented in the axiom. But overall, that doesn't deter the film from from its quality. Uh, sure, there's always plot holes, or in this case, character development holes in certain films. 
did it make the axiom bad? No, uh, it's just one of those things that happens, I guess. Thank you once again for tuning in. My name is Ken Artus, DK Mag founder, host of DK Mag Sessions. And remember, this is one of our podcasts that we released. Uh, DK Mag Sessions focuses on one film. And DK Mag Horror Entertainment News Podcast is our new segment that we cover the trending topics in horror films, including trailer first impressions. Joining me for this podcast as co-host was Stacy Cox, staff correspondent. Be sure to stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash DKMag. Your donations will help us bring future episodes. As a patron, you'll receive bonus content as well as free and discounted on upcoming DKMag merchandise. And once again, you can find DKMag podcast across all platforms google podcast apple podcast stitcher spotify tune in and as well if you prefer to listen to podcasts for some strange reason on youtube we're on that too you can find dk mag on all social media platforms twitter instagram facebook yeah i think i covered it all this time uh at dk mag and of course DKMag.com. Thank you for tuning in.